right. Uh, good evening or afternoon, as the case may be, everybody. Um, welcome to another edition of Drunk Agile. As always, my name is Daniel Vacanti, and with me is um, representing Santa Barbara. Um, yeah. Pradeek Singh, how's everyone doing? Uh, as is tradition, you know, we got we got to kick things off by by talking about the whiskeys that we will be enjoying today. Pradeek, you know, I think I think I think the further tradition is that you start. Yeah, so today is again whiskey with an E. Um, the bottle of Blanton's, which is about to end its reign. So, you know, stop starting, start finishing. So, let's finish this thing. That bottle was full before we started recording, by the way. Yeah, pretty um, much. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, 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 tr I'm trying to decide if I'm going to be embarrassed by, by this week's, so, yes, uh, my, my, my selection this week. Um, I wanted, uh, I wanted to pay homage to uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, his name is Steve Porter. He probably is going to regret that we mentioned his name out loud. Um, uh, but Steve lives in, in Winnipeg, Canada, of all places. And um, the, the Crown Royal Distillery is just right up the road, right up the road or down the road from him. I don't know. Everything's backward in Canada, so who knows if it's up the road or down the road from him. Um, but I didn't go with the traditional. Crown Royal, you guys, everyone will be happy uh, to know. Um, I went with uh, what's what's called their their Northern Harvest Rye. Now, the the huge advantage of Canadian whiskey is, of course, Canada spells their whiskey properly. There is still no <laughs> e, so that's probably the only only thing that they've got going for them. But this is yeah, this is their Northern Harvest Rye. Apparently, it's won awards. Whatever, um, it's forty five percent, and uh, with all due respect to Canadian whiskey, I can't drink that stuff straight. Uh, so I ended up just making myself a, a, an old, an old fashioned. So I don't know if this is cheating or not. Forgive me, please, yeah. please forgive me for, for, for this. But at least I have a no e whiskey, and and my streak is alive. So yeah, cheers. Cheers. Okay, today's edition is um, we're continuing on our discussion about about value and uh, more importantly. Um, prioritization schemes, selection schemes to, to optimize value or you know, optimize is probably a better word than maximize, so to optimize value. And so in the previous edition, again, assuming that we're doing these in, in order, in the previous edition of the episode, we talked about concepts like cost of delay um, and um, weighted shortest job first algorithms like cost of delay divided by duration or, or, or CD3, mm -hmm. you know, as a means for, you know, trying to bring that that valued um dimension into these conversations cost of delay and cd3 things like weighted shortage job first cd3 um, are pretty widely touted anymore they're pretty almost come i would argue commonly accepted means of of prioritization based on based on value or, or proxy for for value whatever however you want to say um and we spent a lot of time in the last episode talking about why, why, why those things are potentially problematic. But we want to get into the nuts and bolts of those things this time. Um, so to maybe hopefully drive the point home about, you know, there's certain, certain things you really, really have to be careful about when you start talking about cost of delay um, and, and CD3. And usually those things aren't, aren't really quite valid in your, in your context. So I don't know, Pratik, do you have anything to say before, before we kick things oh, yeah, off? Or? We, we, we did a whole bunch of math last time to show that <laughs> Because math. Yeah, because math. But um, hopefully this time we'll we'll do a little more math. But hopefully this time we'll we'll, we'll base it in more empiricism than 
um, yep. than, than the math that would be the last time. Yep. We're going to, we're, we're probably going to show a whole bunch of numbers that aren't going to mean anything to you. Honestly, yeah. they don't mean anything to me. So just like last time, just like last time. <laughs> so let's kick off the, the, the metaphor, um, Pratik and I wrote, wrote an article, um, about this published it on medium. I don't know, year ish yeah, ago, yeah, I don't two know, years, maybe two years. I don't know. Um, I've done some talks on this. So maybe you guys have, have um, everybody's watching has, has seen this, but, um, the metaphor that we like to use, uh, to explain how prioritizing based on value upfront. So, so, I mean, a fundamental problem of, of prioritization is you're trying to make these decisions about value, decisions about risk, decisions about all these things when you have the least amount of information, right? So you've got all these candidates sitting in your backlog or your options pool or whatever you call it. You have very, very, very little information about these. And yet we're trying to make these prioritization decisions when we have um, the least amount of information. And uh, it, was, it was probably about two years ago that Pratik and I were both reading the book Misbehaving by, uh, by Richard Thaler. And uh, in that book, he references an article that he wrote um, where he consulted on, or I, I know he consulted with some teams and then they ended up with writing the, it. With the Redskins, I think. Yeah, right? we, 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 don't, we don't want to talk about that because Redskins are a good team. We don't want to talk about them. We don't talk about them. Yeah, I don't know, maybe it's, let's say it's, you know, the Cowboys or something. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where... He, anyway, with a, a national football, we're in America here, so we're America. Um, the, so we're going to talk about the National Football League, where he talked about um, how national football, the National Football League teams select players. Um, and so we, we kind of really have to talk about, you know, the, the, the nuances. The, the, the National Football League has what's called a draft. Every year they have what's called a draft where teams get together and they select new players. So we kind of got to talk about the nuance of that. But, but the... The analogy is, is essentially the same, where we, you've got these NFL teams that are going, out, going to go out and spend millions, tens of millions of dollars, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars um, on these players. And they're trying to make these decisions on which players to select and in what order, um, having, um, having never seen any of these players ever play one professional game of football in their life. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about, I'm going to bring this up. Um, let me, uh, I'm going to share my screen. Hopefully this will work and I can share my screen. Uh, so as you can see, as always, we're ready. We're, yeah, we're always absolutely. ready with this one. Share screen and that and share. Okay. So let me know. Pretty, can you see this? this yep. Okay. So we're going to talk about, about the NFL draft. Uh, and, and the way that the NFL draft works is kind of as follows. Um, and by the way, we're going to talk specifically about the 1999 draft, but the way, the way the NFL draft works is, um, there are in 99, I don't know if there were 28 or 32 teams. I can't remember if they had the expansion teams yet, but anyway, there's a number of teams right now. There's, I think 32 teams, um, that participate in this draft. Um, and they are given, they're given an order and typically, um, by default, the order in which teams select players is based on their win-loss record from the previous year, year. So the team with the worst record usually gets to select first in the next year's draft. Now teams can do things like you know trade and and you know all, all this stuff that, that that might change order. But by default, order is set by the team with the worst record the previous year gets to select first. And so what happens is there's these, these pool of players, usually from 
Um, generally speaking, they're from, from college, you know, football players, American football players will play four years in college and then they'll, they'll four or five years and then they'll enter the, the NFL draft. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, each team, each NFL team gets to pick one player and then the next in, in line picks another player and then the next in line picks another player, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, until all 32 teams have picked and that's one round of the draft. Uh, and then they do it all over again, right? And there are mul multiple rounds. Uh, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? I don't know. However, I think yeah, I think eight or nine. Yeah. So in the um, in the uh, in the '99 draft, um, <laughs> which should be no surprise to anybody, the Cleveland Browns were the uh, you know had, had the number one, the overall number one pick. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles had the number two pick. Um, and by the way, I think we saw that. I think the Cleveland Browns, for the you know, they've had what of the past twenty years since then, they've had what eighteen of the number one picks or something. I don't know. We should well, look that up. Yeah. That's kind of funny. With yeah. all due respect to Cleveland people out Cleveland. there, or you know, or not, as the case may be. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals were number three. The Indianapolis Colts were four. All this is interesting, but what we really care about is a team called the New Orleans Saints, and they were all the way down there at number twelve. So the Saints had the number 12 pick overall. Well, in 1999 is a special year for all kinds of reasons, not least of which was um, their head coach that year was a guy by the name of Mike Ditka. Uh, now, Mike Ditka had, had uh, was, he was, it was infamous by this time. I wouldn't say he's famous, but he was infamous at this time. Um, uh, well-known player, well-known coach, had won the, the Super Bowl with the Chicago, the 1985 Chicago Bears. Um, went over to, um, to the Saints, and the Saints gave Ditka, you know, pretty much unilateral power to do what he wanted to do in order to shape um, the, the New Orleans Saints team. So now entering the 1999 draft, Ditka took, took a look at how the Saints were, and he had his mindset that the only thing that was preventing the Saints from winning a Super Bowl was a, um, a decent, competent, or powerful running game. Right? Now you kind of have to understand the nuance of American football, but just know he, he, wanted, he wanted a player that was known, known as um, a, a running back. And the particular player that he wanted uh, was a guy by the name of Ricky Williams. Now this is, this is kind of a sign of the times. I don't, you know, this is from ESPN Magazine. I don't even know if, know if ESPN Magazine still exists. Um, and I don't know if this color would, they, they would get away with this cover um, at all, you know, going forward now. But this, this, was, this was the cover of ESPN. Mike Ditka wanted Ricky Williams um, so bad that he was willing to bet the whole draft on it. Right? And so what he did, which is really kind of, kind of, kind of fascinating, in that 1990 dra uh, 1999 draft, so remember, I, you know, so that was the, the original order I, I showed you before, had the New Orleans Saints picking number 12. Um, the problem is Ricky Williams is a pretty popular player. So if the Saints are picking number 12, the chances of Ricky, of, um, did I say that right? If the, Nor if the New Orleans Saints are picking number 12, the chances of Ricky Williams still being around for the 12th pick, very, 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 very slight. So, so Ditka had to do something to be able to trade up to get a much, much, much earlier pick. So um, to do that, so what he did is he traded up from the 12th pick to the, the fifth pick in the first round, right? And in order to go from 12th to 5th, what he had to do was he literally, so remember we said there were multiple rounds of picks. He literally gave away all of the Saints' other picks, right? Not just the first round, but all rounds, all subsequent rounds, 
um, in, in that 1999 draft. And <laughs> he gave up the first and third pick in the next year's draft, in 2000's draft, right? So he gave away, what? what is this, 10-ish picks? Yeah, he's um, bet, the, bet the house on this thing. He's, he's bet, because he's like, he's like, I am so certain, I understand that what the Saints need is a running back, and I am so certain that this is, you know, Ricky Williams is going to, is going to fix all these problems. But like, like Pratik says, I am just going to bet the farm um, and, uh, and, and, and make that happen. So that's essentially what, what he was saying, what Dicker was essentially saying in this trade is, I understand upfront value so well that I am willing to put in place this strategy um, to, to, make, to make that value a, a reality. So hopefully this sounds familiar, right? This is, this is where, again, he's, he's making this decision again. Remember, uh, Ricky Williams had never played, when Dicker's making these picks, Ricky Williams had never played a game, a minute, a second of professional football in his life. Yeah, he'd play some college ball, but he'd never played professional football ever in his life. And yet Dicka was willing to make, make this bet. And on top of that, not only did he give away all these picks, but they went in and they paid Ricky Williams, what, tens of millions of dollars. I'm sure they signed a contract with him was tens of millions of dollars. Um, yeah. So Pratik, I don't know if you want to, can you take us through why is, why is this type of thinking problematic? I'm going to stop, stop yeah, sharing my screen. It's, it's the, the, there are a few things to this, right? One, one it's not that Ditka is going in blind, right? He, he, he has for NFL is one of those places where for someone never to have played a single second in the NFL, you have so much information about them, their college record. You have all the tape of them playing in high school in college. You have the combine where they come and try out and they show things. You have all this info and you have judged this, the value of this player based on all that info. He's not going in completely blind. Right. So in essence, what he's saying is I have all this info. I have collected all this information. And based on that, I believe I'm judging value really well. And I can, I can, I, because I can judge value really well, and this is what I need. I am willing to put all my chips in on this one pick. And hope, I'm, I'm hoping this sounds kind of familiar uh, uh, and you can draw some parallels here. I think uh, we, we have a tendency of doing that to say that because we have spent a good amount of time figuring out how valuable something is, we can now probably say that, hey, because we spent this time figuring out how valuable this is and we have all this information, I can, this is a safe bet at this point. I can make this bet. Obviously, yeah. And, uh, but, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, what I was gonna say was, we, we talked about this a little bit last time that we cannot be, actually we've talked about this multiple times. We cannot be thinking about the world in such a deterministic manner to say that we absolutely know what the value of something is. And that's exactly what Ditka is doing in this instance at least. Um, by the way, just just uh, as a quick aside, we forgot to mention the the third member of our trio. Oh. We were yeah yeah the the, the, mo the most famous yeah <laughs> the, the most famous yeah. participant in this is is Nisha. <laughs> There's Nisha, as you can see, she's engaged as always. This she, is probably how, how she always is. This is probably how most of our audience is as they're listening yeah. to us. You know. Yeah, uh, I was telling Dan just before we started that if she starts dreaming, you'll start hearing little barks. She she barks when she dreams. So. Okay, so so Pratik, you know, I'm I'm hearing a, a hint of sarcasm in your voice that that you're saying <laughs> that 
even though we do all these calculations and we do all these estimations and we do all this, we have all these conversations about value that we, we really we really don't know anything about values. Is, is, is that what you're telling me? Is that, so, how, how, so how can, can you prove that? That's the thing, I can say it, <laughs> but it's, it's one thing to say it, it's another to, to, kind, of, to kind of prove it. And, and, and as, as, as uh, for those who have been listening to us, who have, who have watched the earlier episodes, you would know that one of our favorite tools for proving these things out is is to is to essentially run simulations, run some Monte Carlo simulations, and and see what the results are. So uh, I'm going to take you through. We we did exactly that. I'm going to take you through the results of what happens if um, in all the different cases of when we assume that we know value and we prioritize by that. Uh, and or if we use something like CD3, or if we use something like just prioritizing by duration, or if we randomly prioritize things, uh, and and let's see what the results are. So yep. I'm going to start sharing. Which and, and we should say, I mean, the, the 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 simulation that we're doing here is kind of roughly based on you know some 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 real world examples. It's believe it or not, it's 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 surprisingly difficult um, to validate value, which is one of the reasons why. You know, we'll show you. It's one of the reasons why why CD three is so is so problematic. Um, but but you know, I, I just want to, want to emphasize instead of just just Pratik and I just you know spouting out our opinion, um, let's let's try and back that up with with some type of science anyway. Yeah. So some, some, take, some, and as I said, this is this is the more empirical type of science rather than you know we have these pretty distributions from which we're sampling and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, we talk, I think we did talk about curve fitting before. We did, yeah, we did yeah, talk okay. about that. Anyway, okay. um, and as usual, we are fully prepared for this. So, Dan, I'm not able to share my screen. Oh, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> some smart person has actually locked down. Um, yeah. And, Meanwhile, uh, while, while Dan's doing that, there's Nisha again. <laughs> so, uh, okay, you should be able to see All if you right, can. Perfect. Um, you should be able to. Thank you, Zoom, for all the new security protocols that you've implemented. Hey, uh, it's 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 probably for the best. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, before we go any further, let's set up the simulation. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have multiple of these projects that that um, last anywhere between zero and twenty weeks, and they can bring in. And again, these numbers are just random. You can substitute this for anything. It could be zero to 20 days, whatever, and they can bring in zero to $10,000. We intentionally did not take in negative, because, but we do know projects can have negative value. Um, yeah, yeah, just uh, that, that's an important point, and I'm just gonna keep interrupting you because that's what I like yeah. to do, you guys know that. That's yeah. an important point that, that we did, we did the lower yeah, bound on- a chance to drink. Yeah, the lower bound on this was zero, right? Uh, and, and obviously in, in the real world, in the real world, whatever that means, um, projects lose money, right? There are projects out there that lose money, but the results would have been really, really so bad, I think, had we included negative, that nobody really would have, would have yeah. bought, bought it, bought, bought the argument. Yeah, we, we, so we, 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 we wanted to leave it somewhat believable. Yep. Yeah. So we but, purposely but, capped it at, at, or capped it. What's, what's the opposite of capped? We um, shoot un, it? Uncapped it <laughs> at zero. <laughs> yeah, so the floor on this was zero, the ceiling was 10,000. And um, you, we could, again, substitute your values here. The results will probably not change much uh, 
as, uh, when you change that range. Um, we also made a few other very realistic assumptions that um, that we believe are, are are true, which is new projects show up every two weeks. Um, so when you're doing your prioritization, you're looking out a certain number of weeks, certain number of days. Usually in that case, you don't assume that new things are gonna show up. If for these simulations, just like in the real world, we had new projects show up every two weeks. And um, we run, we run the, the, the whole program for 40 weeks and then compare what are the results of three different prioritization streams. One is CD3, which we have talked about quite a bit, which is cost of delay divided by duration. Um, the second was just purely by duration. What happens if we just do the shortest job first? And the third was random. This, what if we randomly pick up a job and, and work on that? How, how does that make a difference? So essentially the, for, for the, the first four bullets you see there, they are static for most of the simulations. The last bullet, that's the one that changes. CD3, duration, or random. So in the very first um, round of these simulations, what we did was we said, uh, let's assume that this is the perfect world and things go exactly the way that, um, we, that, that we had assumed when we planned. So in other words, there we could accurately predict what the value of something would be, which I'm hoping you guys kind of have already gotten a hint is a hard thing to do. Uh, we can accurately predict uh, duration, which if you've watched any of our previous videos, you would know uh, that accuracy and that precision both in that are, are pretty hard and nothing new is gonna show up. So. We know exactly how long each project will take, exactly how much money each project will bring in, and we will not get interrupted or no new options are ever going to show up throughout this 40 week cycle. So, so yeah, okay, so can I, if, if I can ask a question very quickly, because I'm, I'm looking at this and the first time I've, I've really seen this, accurately is probably the wrong word here. We're, we're saying, we're actually saying deterministically here, right? Yeah, saying, deterministically, yeah. Yeah, if we're saying, we're saying that- what, Accurately and precisely. Yep. Yeah. So we're saying <laughs> at the time of project selection, at the time of its prioritization, let's say that, you know, we have project A and we're assuming it's gonna make $8,332. Mm -hmm. um, that by the time it finishes and when we deliver it, it's going to make exactly, exactly. $8,332. Yep. Project B is gonna make $5,000 and when it's delivered, it'll, right? So we're saying we are determined, right? It truly is a perfect world, which we know we yeah, all you're, so, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. It's not just accurate, it's also precise. It's, it's yep. absolutely deterministic. We know, we have a crystal ball that tells us exactly what's going to happen. Okay, cool. So what happens? In this case, when, when we live in a perfect world, um, CD3 outperforms everything else. Like by a long shot, like the, va the value delivered by working in, in, in ascending order of duration by working in random order, working these projects in random order, is way, way, at least random order is absolutely way lower. And, and, and working in duration order is definitely 10 to 15% lower than the value we would get out of these. These numbers don't really mean much, 
Uh, again, as I said, they're based on, 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 on that, the ranges we picked, but the percentages are probably the bigger deal, which is in general, CD3 outperforms everything else in that perfect world. When we can, uh, when we can deterministically know what the value of a project would be, deterministically know how long it will take, and for sure know that nothing else is going to show up. And, and this is exactly, I mean, this is exactly what you would expect, right? I mean, there's a reason that CD3 exists. Um, and in, in, the, in the last episode, we talked about the three, the three assumptions that Pratik just, just mentioned. It's like, we know value up front, we know duration up front, no new projects show up. When those assumptions are in place, and they're always in place, then CD3 does blow everything away. I mean, this, yeah. this makes total sense. It, it should, right? There, there's a reason CD3 it, exists, so, it, so yeah. I mean, it should. I mean, mathematically, it, it absolutely should. It is, it, when you know those three things, as, I, as we said last time, I don't know of a better way to do, to do prioritization if you are sure about those three things. What if I'm not so sure? Yeah, what if I'm not so sure? What, what if, what if uh, we're not, we, what if we're not living in this world where CD3 outperforms both ascending duration and random? Let's, um, let's, let's move forward. And, and what if we are in a spot where, you know, value is not deterministic? What happens then? And, and what happens if, if duration is not deterministic? What happens if, if, uh, new options are showing up. So this, this, this particular simulation is where um, value is being reassessed every time we are uh, delivering something, but duration is still being kept deterministic. But this is just a switch from um, saying that we are able to, we're not able to actually determine value. We were at a place where we were able to determine value, but now uh, we cannot determine value anymore. We're just making that one change. We're changing value to be non-deterministic. We're still so, keeping it, the other two places, assumptions in place. And so and if, if, I, if I can clarify, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, we're still, we're still choosing value from that, from that from distribution, that range. If really, from yeah. that range from, mm -hmm. from zero to 10,000. We're just saying at the beginning of the simulation when we're selecting projects, Remember, we're, 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 doing the, we're doing a CD3 calculation. We're trying to decide yep. which one that we select, and it's assigned a value at that point. But then mm -hmm. when we finish, we go back and we say, okay, now that it's finished, let's say... Now, yeah, now that we've delivered it, yeah. how much value did it really bring in? Yeah, and, and which, which may or may not, and usually isn't, the same mm -hmm. as that, but it's still, it's still within that same range. It's still that right. same range, yeah. It's right. still exactly that same range, and... and whenever we're delivering this, we're actually going back there and reassessing how much value did this thing bring in. Right. Uh, again, so of those three assumptions, of actually these three assumptions that, that we mentioned, we're only changing that first assumption. The only thing that is not deterministic anymore is value. And when we do that, it turns out that working in ascending order of duration working your shortest project first turns, uh, outperforms CD3. As soon as we, we change value from being deterministic to probabilistic, to, to, it, it, it changes the, 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 the scores for these essentially and says, 
ascending order of duration will give you the best bang for buck uh, as compared to CD3. And random still is pretty much as far behind as it was before. Um, that, that, that's still pretty bad compared to CD3. Which, which, which should make sense. We're essentially throwing darts to say, hey, which one, which one are we going to pick? So yeah. I, I, I know I always, I always like to, to pause and reflect, reflect on this because I mean, this, this, is, that's, this is pretty, pretty profound here, right? Just by, just by taking away the assumption that we, we don't know value up front. And I can tell you, as, as a product owner, as, you know, as having been the product owner of a product company for however many years, I can pretty much guarantee you, you do not, in, in a product company anyway, you really don't know value up front. The second that you take value out of that equation, duration all of a sudden becomes paramount. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, and, and these numbers, I mean, that, to, to me, this, just this result alone was, was actually quite surprising to me when we ran the simulation. Yeah, and, and, and again, in my opinion, just because CD3 does take duration into account, I think it, that's the reason why it outperforms random. But when you only take duration into account in this world where value is non-deterministic, where, where, where we outperform CD3 just by using an ascending order duration. Yeah, but remember, because so, it's because the numerator is the most important. Just remember okay. Course, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've changed one assumption. What if we change one more? Let's, let's, let's change, take let's change one more. Let's see what happens. Change yeah. one more. Yeah. Well, so we dealt with the uncertainty on our value. What if we made duration uncertain as well? Which, again, if you watched earlier videos of ours, you'll, you'll, you'll hopefully know already that we don't believe that's, that's, uh, that duration is certain and you shouldn't either. Um, when there's duration, when duration is uncertain, when duration is uh, not deterministic, the approach that we suggest that teams take is as, as a project keeps getting bigger, let's right size it. Let's make these projects um, smaller so that we can deliver something. Again, in this case, we're still saying value is, is non-determinant and, and, and duration as it grows, we're starting to right size projects. So in, in this particular example, what we have said is anytime a project is greater than five weeks, if you go back earlier, you will see that a range of projects was zero to 20 weeks, actually one to 20 weeks. Anytime a project is greater than, than five weeks, let's break that project up so that it can be smaller than five weeks. So we're essentially randomly breaking it up into smaller chunks as soon as we see a project that's bigger than five weeks. Um, that, that is a way of dealing with uh, non-determinism in, in, uh, in the case of, of duration. So what the results you're gonna see have value, which is non-determinant and same thing with duration, but when duration gets above a certain size, we right-size these projects. In this case, things change actually quite a bit. In this case, um, the ascending order of duration starts outperforming CD3 as much as, almost as much as CD3 was outperforming random. In fact, random starts getting closer to CD3 than it had ever been. Um, do want to make one more point. When we break up these projects, we put 
we take the smallest project and put the rest in the backlog. Because again, we're doing this by ascending order of duration. Right. So, okay, right. Uh, so, sorry, uh, and I, I, I think you made this point, but I wanna make it clear. Just because we're saying right sizing, but not same sizing, right? So this is, we're not saying that all projects that are going through this, this simulation, they're all gonna be exactly five weeks. There, there's, still, there's still randomness here, right? They're not all, we're saying, but the biggest they can get is that certain level. But there are still some that are going to be one week, two week, three weeks, four weeks. Right. There's, still, there's still a bunch of randomness in here. And to your point, when we break it up, we're, it's not that we're just ignoring that work. We're still putting it uh, you know, on the backlog to be worked through later um, you know, a, a, as a smaller chunk. So, okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, just as I said earlier when we were setting up these simulations, nothing between the three results, nothing has been changed except for the prioritization scheme. So that resizing, the reassessing of value is happening in all three cases. All we are changing is the prioritization scheme. So hmm. we're right-sizing and we are reassessing value. And in that case, um, just by switching prioritization schemes, it looks like we get about a 50% advantage by going just with ascending ad order of duration. By working the smallest project first, uh, we get about 51% uh, advantage over our CD3 class, uh, CD3 um, sequencing, but CD3 is still better than random by about 18%. And I say about because, yeah, these look like exact numbers. They're not. I'm sure we run the simulations again, they'll come out a little different. Not very. So, so, so we've, we've changed two assumptions. We've changed the assumption around value being deterministic and the assumption around uh, size being or duration being deterministic and and with with changing those two assumptions and bringing right sizing into the picture what we know is just working in order of duration working in ascending order of duration is about 50% more value generative than cd3 would be to Add to this, um, when, when we compare CD3 without right sizing to random with right sizing, we haven't shown these results yet, but that right sizing approach that we talked about, if you'd start doing right sizing, that's all you do. And we are reassessing that value at the end. If we start doing that and at that point, and this is, this is probably the most shocking result of it all, random selection, random prioritization, essentially throwing darts at a board outperforms CD3 by, a, by about 180%. Which all we have done is introduced right sizing. So, CD3 without right sizing versus random with right sizing. It out of the, those two scenarios, random without, with right sizing outperforms CD3 without right sizing by about 180%. And, and so this is, okay, this, 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 is, this is quite shocking. I mean, I, you know, I think, 
um, because this is this is where we have to we we probably and I don't want to speak for you, Pratik. I'll, I'll speak for myself, but you can join in if you want to. Um, this is where we we probably diverge from um, from from Don Reinertsen, you know, a, a little bit. And, and again, with all because because I'll be honest with you, if there's one person that I would tell you to follow about this stuff, it would be Don Reinertsen. He is he is by far and away, you know, heads and shoulders above everybody else in, in terms of his thinking on this. Uh, but what Don Reinertsen would come along and he would say is, you know, he's and I, I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but he normally says if you're going to quantify one thing quantify cost of delay. And what these results are telling us, if you're going to invest energy in terms of your process improvement, it's not, the energy shouldn't be invested in quantifying cost of delay. The energy should be invested in right-sizing your projects, yeah. which is generally speaking much, I would argue, much easier even than, uh, than cost of delay. If all you do is right-sizing, you can be quite a bit more sure than you know, in terms of your overall performance, than if you were to invest a whole bunch of time and effort trying to quantify cost of delay, it's it's yeah, it's, think, it's, uh, it's 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 a huge result, I think. I think again, I I, I believe that Don's math is unparalleled in this thing. Yep. The problem is not with the math that that Don Ryerson is bringing to the table. The problem is that we don't understand variability well enough. We don't understand probabilistic thinking well enough to be able to quantify cost of delay. That's, that's the capital we with the, the community. Not, not, yes. not me, why? Yes. I mean, not just specifically me in particular. But, but yeah. <laughs> but the community, yeah. <laughs> but we, yeah. We, we don't understand this well enough to, to quantify. So the, the, the best thing we can do is actually re reduce that variability. And the way we re reduce that variability is by right-sizing. And even then, we are not good at quantifying value. So it's still going to be really hard for us to quantify cost of delay. And, and again, the math is not the problem. Our ability to actually put the, put the value to those variables is the problem. And, and that, 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 that bears repeating, I think, for the 15th time is, you know, there, there are certain contexts where you can calculate cost of delay and that calculation is fairly straightforward. Um, you know, like regu highly regulated environments, mm -hmm. you know, like where if, mm -hmm. you know, the government passes a law and you're going to get fined a million dollars if you're not in compliance by a certain yeah. date. Pretty easy to calculate cost of delay in that situation. Um, if you're under contractual obligation that, hey, I need to deliver this specific feature by this specific date, or I'm going to have to start paying penalties um, for not having, right? Pretty easy to calculate cost of delay. And that's what we're saying is in those contexts where you have this information, where you know that you have to have this thing by this date, so we know value and we know duration, CD3 is by far and away the way to go. You don't mess around. You do CD3. In the world where we don't know those things, which I would argue that's probably 99% of us, CD3 is generally speaking a waste of time. You're better off literally throwing darts, just, just picking stuff at random. Doesn't really even matter. Just pick stuff, work on it, but make sure you don't let it get too big, right? Make sure you're constraining it by, by right size. That's, that's the fundamental result here. Yeah, if, if, and then I think I was, I was talking to someone earlier, it's like, if, if you asked me, if you put a gun to my head and asked me, what are the two things you would tell any team? It'll be right size your work and limit work in progress. Mm -hmm. that, 
that's all. If you do that, you'll get results that look like this, that, that uh, assure that you'll be able to deliver your most valuable things out there as quickly as possible. Um, just, just as a quick aside for how bad we, you know, we humans are at estimating duration. Before, before this call or before this talk or whatever, Pratik was like, <laughs> what, what are we going to talk about this? It's only going to be 10 minutes, right? So what, what are I we, said 15. <laughs> did you? I can't remember. <laughs> um, so obviously this has been, been quite a bit longer than that, but I, yeah, I, I hope I hope we've made our point. We probably we probably we've probably overmade it. Um, we've, we've probably you know continued selling after the close, which is which is a big no no. But um, this this particular episode is the culmination, I think, of the last two or three. Yeah. You know where where we're trying to explain. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of people who you think are smart out there talking about cost of delay and. CD3, I know there's a lot of frameworks and methodologies that are saying, hey, do this, do this, do this. All we're saying is take a step back, understand your context a little bit better. If you are in one of these contexts where you really don't know, uh, where you really don't know value and it's really hard to quantify it, if you're in one of these contexts where you really don't know duration, it's really hard to quantify it, CD3, things like cost delay and CD3 are probably not your friend, right? As Pratik just said, you're much better off driving out some of this other variability first, much better off. Driving out, focusing on on driving out that other variability first, um, and then you may find out once you've got control of that variability uh, variability a little bit better, you may find out you don't even need any of these other tools, which is my guess. You probably is that that's what you'll find out. So, um, I think but, I think we are really good at convincing ourselves that we know things that we don't know, and that's what stops us from trying to drive out these variability. I think this is that whole um, no estimates thing. It's, it's the same thing, just applied to both value and duration. Uh, we believe the more we talk about something, the better we can estimate it. The more information we have, the better we can estimate it. I, I don't know where that curve uh, kinks, but there is a kink in that curve where after a certain amount of time, you're actually making things worse. Right. And what's funny is, uh, you, so you, where you, you bring up a, a very, very good point. It's, it's strange that you bring up a good point. This is really, a mark, mark the time and date. Yeah. But take actually brings, a, brings up a very good point because a lot of the objection we get to this, whenever we present this material, a lot of, a lot of the objection people say, well, well, you know what, cost, this cost of delay CD3 thing, it's really more about the conversation. It's really more about, you know, surfacing some of these assumptions and having, having the conversation and things like that. And what's fascinating to me about that is, the people who shout that the loudest are also the ones who shout the loudest against story points, right? Because yeah. most people would, uh, I think most people would say, well, you know, story points, yeah, maybe they're not so good at estimation for, for estimation, but it's all about surfacing the, the assumptions, right? And the reason that's so bad from a lean perspective is you don't drive out uncertainty by talking about stuff. That's not how you drive out uncertainty. You drive out uncertainty, first of all, by actually doing the work, but more importantly, you drive out uncertainty by getting it in the hands of your customer mm -hmm. and getting that feedback as fast yeah. as possible. I'm going to steal Pratik's thunder, but one of his favorite <laughs> sayings is, we need to find out how wrong we are as quickly as possible. You have to go into this thinking, making the assumption that you are wrong, and we need to find out how wrong we are as quickly as possible. That's the strategy that's going to make you successful. I'll give you the last, I, I, even though I took the, I saw your thunder and took, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the last, last word as, as always. Do you, how, yeah, how would you, how would you like I'm, to wrap things up? Yeah. 
again, do, do, do not make assumptions. This, these, these, we, uh, that has been a theme throughout all the videos we've done. The more assumptions you make, the harder you make it for yourself to be correct, accurate, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and, and maybe next time we'll talk, we'll talk a little more about that. But uh, as, as, as Dan said, you know, if you're, if you're assuming that you have the exact right answer and, 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 and I think, uh, Dan will come back to the, did Ditka have the right answer? Uh, if you're assuming you have the exact right answer, you, that is a lot more dangerous than saying, Hey, I don't know if I have the right answer, but I'm going to try something out. Right. So yeah, I, I always I always forget to finish the Dicka story. I, I, always, I always forget. I'm like, because it's like uh, to me, it's just so obvious what's what's going to happen by by this point. It's so obvious. So we, we need to we need to finish the Dicka story. Mm -hmm. I promise, Pratik, the last word. That was the last word on CD3 anyway. Yeah. The last word on Dicka, I'll, I'll I'll probably take. So a, as you can imagine, um, the Dicka strategy was a complete and total failure. Um, the the Saints ended up losing more games the the season after that they drafted Ricky Ricky Williams they actually ended up losing more games than they did the season before um, I think Dicka only lasted one more season with the Saints yeah, and then he was season. and then he was fired right he was just summarily fired marched out the door um, took the Saints for, forever to recover from that an even better example though is over the past twenty years the argument could be made not by me not by me. But the argument could be made that the best quarterback in the, the NFL over the past 24, 20 years, and potentially in the history of the NFL, is a guy by the name of Tom Brady, who used to play for the, the Patriots. Um, he won, how many Super Bowls did he win? Four, six. five, six, whatever it is, anyway. Um, you know, he won, all, he won all, you know, all these you Super mean, you Bowls. Mean the, you mean the quarterback for, for Tampa Bay? He's quarterback for Tampa Bay now, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, what was with the what won all kinds of Super Bowls when he wasn't winning Super Bowls, he was winning division titles and playoff yeah. games and anything. Just, I mean, just, um, just winning all kinds. So, you know, he's he's probably easily the best quarterback from a winning perspective, the mm -hmm. best quarterback of the past 20 years. Again, the argument could be made the best uh, best quarterback of all time. I would not make that argument, but whatever. With all of those, with all those accolades, with all of those wins, well, those you would expect that the NFL would be like, I mean, this this guy probably went pretty high in the draft. I mean, they had to know. I mean, how can a guy be that good and you not know? How could you, how could he possibly be that good and you not know? So he had to be first, second, third pick in the first round, right? Pratik, when did, when did, when did Tom Brady get picked? Was it 199th? 190, yeah, like it was in the sixth, in the sixth round. Yeah. They literally picked like I, almost 200 players before Tom Brady. This guy, one of the greatest players of all time, they literally picked 200 players before him. Now you're trying to tell me that there's a guy sitting there that you know is going to win you six Super Bowls and you're going to pick 200 people before him and you're going to, with a straight face, tell me that you understand value. I mean, that's, uh, to me, that yeah. tells, you, tells you everything that you need to know, right? right. No, what's, what's amazing about that story is every time that story is told, it's told from the perspective of, look how good Patriots were. They recognized that this guy... <laughs> In the in the sixth round, seventh round, whatever it was, it's still available, and they picked him up. As opposed to going, they had six picks before this guy, and they didn't pick him. Yeah, there were I think 198 picks before this guy. Something like eight quarterbacks, or something like that, before yeah, Tom Brady too. Before him. And I think he's won more and, Super Bowls than the rest of them combined. Oh, combined easily. Yeah. I mean, probably double that. 
Yeah, in fact, but, I don't know about any but, other, any but, other but ones. But beyond that, it's again, going back to the earlier point that you were making too, was that sure, none of these players have played a single second of NFL football, but these guys have a lot more um, beta testing results than, than most, uh, most organizations do. They've seen them play in high school, in college, they've sent them to the combine, they've had the wonderlick test, whatever, all that stuff. And they're basing their value judgment on all that information that they have. And they're still that wrong. And it's not just, not just all that information, they're also putting in a whole bunch of money into this. So, so did, did, did you say wonderlick? There's gotta be some joke in there about uh, yeah, word. I just anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully, hopefully we've made the point. Hopefully we've 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 stressed it enough. Um, if you if you have any questions, I'm not even. We should we probably should tell people how to contact us. We're, maybe when we get around to publishing this stuff, there will be a way for you to contact us and, and ask us questions. We'll this post a link. Published it. We'll, we'll, we'll post a link to the, uh, the article that we wrote on this. Surprisingly enough, it's called Don't Be a Ditka. Um, and uh, I think in, in the next episodes, in the coming episodes, we will start talking about some of these, the, these faults, if you will. It's probably mm -hmm. wrong to call them faults, but faults in, in human behavior, right? While, why we, we can't necessarily trust our, our instincts on some of these things. Because um, I, I think that's really kind of where more the, the more interesting things come up and potentially... Uh, where some of the better remedies hopefully come up. So, um, as always, you know this. Uh, this. Uh, my name is Daniel Vacanti, and, uh, and for Pratik Singh, um, I'm going to say good night to everybody, and see you in the next episode. See you next time.